Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You just have to be 2% smarter than what you're working with, I'm told. Amen. Praise God. We learn by experience. Amen. It is so good to be here. It is such an honor, such a blessing. Um, just before we go any further, I just before we read a scripture or anything, it just came to me and I, I um, just feel, feel like God wants us to do this for a moment. Sister Shostran, if you would just be kind enough to play a little bit for us for a moment. I'll, I have a point and I'll be quick to make it. Amen. Um, I heard an older, wiser minister once and he was asked the question, what would you give a younger couple uh, for marriage advice? They were premarital counseling or what have you. Um, what's one of the most important uh, pieces of advice you'd give them and <clears throat> he said don't miss the wedding and it sounds very simple right uh, but it gets a little bit deeper than that he goes on to say that um, in the busyness of the day the schedule the itinerary everything uh, we need everything in place. We need everyone here on time. We need, uh, no one needs to slip. No one needs to fall. We want everything to be perfect. And, and I've done some weddings for people. I've been in a lot of weddings. And, and so I've observed this. And uh, in the hurrying and the worry and uh, everything going on around us at that moment, if we're not careful, we can forget the reason why we're there in the first place and we can be so worried about all this going right and all this being perfect you miss the very reason you came and so his advice was don't miss the wedding and the Bible calls us the bride of Christ and there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb one day amen when when he comes back for his bride, I don't want to be so worried and so busy with things, the worries of tomorrow, um, or the, the busyness of the task at hand, that in that moment when he comes back, I'm so preoccupied by other things that really in that they have no eternal value and so we don't have the capacity to turn back time to roll back time the closest we get to it is daylight saving time and sometimes we get an extra hour of sleep but the thought that occurred to me was as I was there and they were worshiping sending the beautiful songs they were if Jesus were to come back in this moment, will I be occupied by things of tomorrow and um, all the chaos and things that are going around the world right now? Or am I going to be thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner or watching the clock 
tick away so we can get back home? Or will I be worshiping Him? Will I be giving Him everything in that moment? And so, I would like for us to just pretend. Let's say that God came back five minutes ago in the middle of worship. And if you had the opportunity to go back in time and do something different, what would you change? Maybe you lift your hand a little higher. Maybe you to raise your voice a little louder. I don't know what you would want to do. But if we could roll back time just five minutes and 30 seconds, and I have a timer and I promise that I, I will abide by that. But if you had 30 seconds and you knew that Jesus was coming back, would you still worry about what's going to happen tomorrow and still worry about what's going to happen when you go back to work on Monday? What would you do if we had 30 seconds right now to worship Him? Praise God. And so if you would just stand with me right now. I don't want to miss the wedding, my friends. I don't want to miss the reason why we came. So for 30 seconds, if we could just praise Him, give Him the glory that's due His name. Jesus, we love You. We love You, Jesus. You're the reason why we came tonight, Lord. You're the reason why, God, we're here. I love You, Jesus. I love You, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. praised oh God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah you're the greatest thing that's ever happened to me Jesus you're the greatest thing Lord that's ever happened oh God we love you we adore you we exalt your name we lift your name on high oh God Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise God. I feel a little bit better. How about you? Praise God. Hallelujah. I just had to get that off my chest. Amen. I just feel like God wanted us to do that for a moment. Put it all into perspective. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If He were to come in 10 minutes, everything we're worried about tomorrow is not even going to matter. 
Hallelujah. I want to seize the moment with Jesus. I don't want to miss the wedding. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, I will be respectful of your time. You see, God throws, He likes to throw a wrench in things sometimes. He's, um, happens not all the time but every once in a while where you have something that you felt God wanted you to preach and you felt good about it you prepared for it and then all of a sudden he's like eh changed my mind or you were wrong to begin with either or I'm fine and so I just put all that to the side and <clears throat> turn to the gospel of Matthew chapter 14 and you can read about some great women in the Bible. Um, very encouraging stories. Some of them are even nameless. We'll never know their name, but heaven knows their name. And uh, this story here, I feel like God wants us to read tonight. In uh, Mark chapter 14, we'll start with verse 3. The Bible says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman, a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation with themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. And she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. And verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall spoken, be spoken of for memorial of her. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so I just feel led of the Lord to preach to you for a little bit, a few moments, about giving your all to God. Giving your all to God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I ask that you let it break us, shape us, and mold us, God. That, Lord, our minds, our hearts will be fertile ground for your word. Lord, help us to decrease so that you can increase, God. Never, let us never forget you are the God of wonders. Oh, God, that words cannot adequately describe how great, how wonderful you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you tonight, Jesus. We praise your wonderful name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. You may be seated uh, tonight if you'd like. Amen. Praise God. We have so enjoyed our time here. It has been such a blessing for us to be here. Um, God has blessed us abundantly. We always... Uh, this is our second time around, but we always leave uh, indebted to the this church and Pastor and Sister Showstrand. They're just so uh, so 
want so much, so wonderful. They're just, um, they're just special, um, and we are blessed. We are grateful, and uh, just I don't have the words to say how thankful we are for everything that you have done for us. All the dinners, um, wonderful home cooked meals, um, all the gifts you've given Joseph. Um, our trailer being fixed and everything. We're just, these are things you'll never forget. Amen. And we are blessed and we're grateful tonight to have, have been here. Amen. But I, I want the will of the Lord tonight to take place. Amen. Praise God. And so, our world that we live in today, um, it, its values and the way it records its or measures greatness is so contrary, I feel, to the, to the Word of God and how God measures uh, greatness. And the world that we live in, it's, it's all based on power, position, and prestige. It's all about social status and um, how much you can accumulate in your lifetime. And uh, you see this with um, you know, materialistic items and all these uh, fancy uh, things that these people uh, just, they feel like they have to uh, strive for all of this to, to, to be successful, to be great, to have finally made it. And I cannot speak from their perspective because I've never been there, but I can observe and see where celebrities or even people with... Uh, um, generational type of money, millionaires, billionaires, you read and you hear about these people um, being depressed. And these people even uh, living uh, sad lives, it seems. And, and the worst cases you hear are the ones that even take their lives. When they, by the world standards, they have achieved all of this, they have gained uh, all of this, this material wealth and this, this greatness you see. And uh, they, they strive to get there to the top of the ladder. And when they finally make it, they realize it's empty. It's hollow. It's, it was just a joke. It's not real. And that's because the world measures greatness uh, by what you gain and by what you achieve. And, but God does not measure greatness by the same standard of the world. And so... We're going to read about this woman here, this precious woman in the Bible. The Bible says that she had an alabaster box of ointment. Um, the, the alabaster box or jar, uh, some will say it's a precious gemstone. Um, when we were in Israel, my wife and I got to hold and we took a picture of an alabaster jar. And it's, you can hold it up to the, to the light and it's... Uh, semi-transparent and uh, it's, it's a really beautiful piece of stone and it, in and by itself this alabaster box you see is valuable it's it has um, it has great value but um, I have read that it's only only the most precious and most valuable things were held in these alabaster boxes and so uh, the contents usually are worth more than uh, what the box is made of. And the Bible says that she had a, uh, a box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And this spikenard, you see, also was very valuable. 
And uh, we go on to, to read in our scripture text that it would have, could have been sold for more than 300 pence, they say. Which um, I have read it can equal a yearly salary, salary for most of us. And so it is no question without a doubt that this box, alabaster box of ointment was very precious very valuable that this woman had in her possession. And also reading a little further, you will find that it's not unusual for these, these boxes of ointment um, can, can be considered as an heirloom, things, something that's passed down from generation to generation, perhaps a mother to a daughter or some sort. And so it's, it's not far-fetched to say that this alabaster, alabaster box of ointment very well could have been the most precious, most valuable possession that this woman had. It was the most precious uh, item that she owned. And so um, I, I love what the Bible says that when she, uh, very, that she came and she, the Bible says, um, very precious, she break the box and she poured it on Jesus. You see, she didn't uh, just open it up and, and say, I'm going to give some of it to Jesus. I'm, not, I'm just going to give a portion of it to Him and save the rest for later. No, she broke the box, the Bible says, and poured it on Jesus. She broke it and poured it all out on Jesus. And so, my friend, God does not want a portion of us. God wants all of us. Amen. We can't just decide we're going to be a Christian on Sunday and live out in the world Monday through Saturday. I would say who you are Monday through Saturday is more important than who you are on Sunday. But my point is that this precious woman, you see, she said, I'm not just going to give some of myself to Him. I'm not just going to give Him a portion, but I'm going to pour it all out on Jesus. I'm going to pour it all out out on him everything that I have to him and so I want to be of the same mindset tonight I don't want to be reserved in my worship to God I don't want to hold back my praise to him I don't want to hold back anything that I can give him because he is worthy of it all he is worthy of everything worthy of the highest praise worthy of it all and this precious woman, she gave it all to Jesus, you see. But when you give it all to God, in the world's eyes, they, they don't understand this. They don't comprehend this. And, and you go on to read in verse 4, the Bible says that there were some that had indignation within themselves. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Why was this waste of the ointment made? It says that, verse 5, it could have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. When you read John's account, uh, 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 this, this story, he tells us that it was Judas Iscariot that was one of the disciples that said, why was this waste of the ointment made? And I, and I find this to be ironic, you see. Judas, here he is, saying, why did you waste this on Jesus? Why did you waste it on Him? It's ironic because Judas Iscariot, when he's talking about wasting something, he wasted his entire life. 
He's judging this woman for giving her best to God. And he was the one that wasted it. Because when you read John's account, it says that it was one of Judas that mentioned this. And he goes on to say he didn't say it because he was really concerned with the poor. He said it because he was a thief and he held the money in the group. And so he had selfish means. And you see, that's what the world is all about. Self. What can I do for self? What can I, what can I accumulate? What can I gain for myself? But the Bible says it's better to give than to receive. And so so they said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Why did you waste this on Jesus? A friend of mine, whenever you decide to pour it out to God and give Him the highest praise and give Him the worship that's due His name, let me tell you tonight, it is never a waste to give it to Jesus. It's never a waste of time to give it to Him. It's never a waste of your time, your energy, your resources. To give it to Jesus. The world, in the world's eyes, it may look like a waste. What we're doing here tonight, you're wasting your time. You're wasting uh, your most precious commodity, which is time. You can be spending your time doing something else, but friend of mine, this is the most precious thing that we can do. If time is my most precious commodity and no amount of money in this world can buy me another ounce of time, then let me give it to Him. Let me give my time to Jesus. And so it's never a waste to worship Him. It's never a waste. It's never foolish to worship Him. And they murmured against her. Why are you wasting it on Jesus? Why are you doing this? Uh, you're being illogical. You're not being smart. You're, this is dumb. Why are you doing this? And I love what Jesus says in verse 6 when He says, Let her alone. You see, God can take up for His own. When they were murmuring against her and telling her, Why did you waste this on Jesus? Jesus spoke up, you see, and He said, Let her alone. Don't you judge her because she decided to worship me. Don't you look down on her because she decided to give it all to me and you didn't. Don't you judge her for worshiping me when you decided to do nothing. Hallelujah. He said, let her alone. Let her alone. He says she had done, uh, wrought a good work on me. That, that, that can also be translated as a beautiful thing. Let her alone. She said, he said, she has done a beautiful thing right here. In the world's eyes, when we see us worshiping Him, coming to church and giving God glory or pouring it all out to Him, it may look like a waste. It may look dumb to the world. But in heaven's eyes, you see, it is a beautiful thing when we worship Him. It is a beautiful thing when we're pouring it out to God at an altar somewhere. Heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. So I don't care what the world says. I don't care what it looks like in their eyes. Heaven says it's a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. It's a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. 
And he says, ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But he says, but me ye have not always. Uh, if that's the excuse you're going to use, Judas, that you're concerned about the poor, then we'll just run with that. And he says, you'll have the poor with you always, and whenever you decide to do good, then you can. Uh, but he says, me, uh, you have not always. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, he says, this may be your last opportunity. Uh, we don't know when our last opportunity will be uh, to worship God. We don't know when our last church service will be or when's the last altar call we'll ever have. And I don't want to go into eternity and, and know that I was I didn't give God my all the last opportunity I had that I just sat back and I was laxed and I just sat back and did nothing. The last opportunity I have to worship Him. We don't know the last opportunity we'll ever have to get right with Him. We don't know when our day will come. We don't know when the trumpet will sound. And so if you're here tonight and you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, don't wait any longer. If you have not been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, God is still in the redemptive business. And we don't know when the last opportunity we will have to worship Him. And when that day comes, there's going to be so many that are deceived with time. I thought I had more time. Satan will deceive you with time because he will, he, I don't believe he will tell you that you don't need God. He's going to tell you that you don't need God right now. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to do it right now. You can wait till the next service. Or you can wait till the next altar call. You can wait till things get a little better for you. No, we don't know when the last opportunity will be. So I want to live my life in such a way that I am giving it all to Him. That I worship Him. I praise Him with everything. I don't want to hold back on God. Because it's His breath that He has placed in my lungs. And the least I can do is worship Him, you see. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. And then in verse 8, He says, She hath done what she could. She's come beforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. She's done what she could. This precious woman, you see, she couldn't stop. The, the, the Jewish leaders from falsely accusing Jesus. She couldn't stop them from putting Him on trial. She couldn't stop them from taking Him to the whipping post. She couldn't stop or hinder them taking Him to Calvary. They could, she could do nothing about what was about to take place in the days coming. But Jesus said she did what she could. And she poured it all out on me. She poured it all out. She gave it all to Jesus. And so God's never going to ask you to do something you cannot do. But we can do. Hallelujah is give Him all. What we can do is give it all to Him. What we can do is worship Him. Heartfelt worship. I don't want to just have lip service and have the axe down. I want it to be heartfelt worship. I want it to be a genuine praise coming from my mouth. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. I don't want to grow complacent in my walk with God. I don't want to come to the house of God and just say this is just another service. Uh, this is just another spot on my calendar. This is just a fulfillment in my itinerary. You see, if we ever get to that place, and yet then and we, we go, we get lukewarm and we grow, uh, we fall away from God. You see, uh, but if this is when we truly, genuinely love God and and we're on fire for Him, then this is not just a spot on my calendar. This is not just uh, something that I have to fulfill. This is a place uh, where my life can be changed. This is a place uh, where my prayers can be answered. My body can be healed. My family can be saved. This is a place, you see, where the God of wonders, uh, the God of broken sticks can come down and perform miracles and do exceeding abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is not just another church service. Uh, this is not just uh, another day. This is not just uh, another moment. This uh, can be the greatest church service we've ever been to. This can be the greatest moment we've ever had. Who's to say God can't do something on a Sunday night uh, in Newark, Ohio? Who's to say God can't turn your life around? I don't want to sit back uh, and miss out on what God is wanting to do. Hallelujah. He says she's done what she could. And verse 9, For Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Don't you forget what this woman done here today. Don't you let this slip by your memory. Don't you forget what you saw here today. What took place in this moment. Jesus said don't you forget. And this, this blows my mind you see when, when we consider John chapter 21 and verse 25 the last verse of the book it says there are also many other things which Jesus did the which if they should be written everyone I suppose that even the world itself Self could not contain the books that should be written. He said, Jesus done so many great things, so many wonderful things. If we were to write it all down, the world couldn't contain what Jesus done. But some way, somehow, this precious woman and what she did made it into the Word of God because Jesus said, don't you forget that time when this precious lady poured it all out don't you forget what it looks like when someone gives me their all hallelujah hallelujah in Mark's gospel she remains nameless if we take the account of the gospel of John she's Mary the sister of Lazarus but there's another nameless woman in the Bible and it's just a few scriptures you see but oh it means so much in Luke chapter 21 and verse 1, the Bible says that he looked up and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. 
I have read that two mites hardly equal a penny in our economy. And Jesus said, This poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have cast of their abundance, cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. Two mites, you see. Out of everything that Jesus did, of all they could have written about, two mites found themselves in the pages of the Word of God. Two mites made it into the Word of God because this precious woman, she said, Jesus, I don't have much to give, but what I have, here it is. I don't have much to offer, but I'll give you everything that I have. Can I tell you, when you decide to pour it all out to God and heartfelt worship and praise it does something to Jesus it does something something happens something stirs when we decide to pour it all out to him it is a beautiful thing and perhaps those rich men were looking down at this woman well how foolish you look throwing in just two mites they won't amount to anything that's not going to do anything. How foolish you look. But all the while, God was looking. And He said, she cast in more than they all. You may not feel. The world may look at you and say, it's foolishness. Foolishness. But God looks at you and says, that's beautiful. How foolish it must have looked when Ezekiel was speaking to those valley of dry bones we talked about this morning. How foolish it must have looked to the world as he's speaking to this valley of hopelessness. How foolish it must have looked for a man that's been dead for four days when they were trying to roll that stone away. I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. Paul writes to the world, the, the, the preaching of the cross to the world is foolishness. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. They don't understand and they don't know uh, what the world says is foolish. Uh, we say it's the power of God. Uh, and what the world says is wasteful. God says oh, it's beautiful. God says that's wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this poor woman, she gave it all to Jesus, you see. And this last week, a friend of mine, Brandon and I's passed away of uh, cancer and he had a long battle, nearly six years. This man I have watched from afar. We, we ran into each other occasionally, but I watched from afar as he battled this cancer for nearly six years. This man was a worshiper. This man loved God. He didn't only write songs, but he wrote albums. And they're sung all across our fellowship. And even while he had cancer and things were progressively getting worse, he would still write. And he just released an album just a few months ago. Beautiful. I've listened to it all week over and over and over. And we would pray for this man. We'd fast for him. We would send them a love offering when we could. And... Um, yeah, I, I, I was struck by a post that his family, uh, they posted that he had said at one point in time 
that the last thing he wanted to leave on earth is potential. The last thing he wanted to leave is potential. Meaning that he wanted to leave it all on the table. That he wanted to give it all to God. I don't want to leave anything undone. And when I wasn't able to attend his funeral, but I watched it and his father began to speak about his final days, his final moments. He said the family would gather around him and, and they would pray and they would sing hymns and songs. And, and as Anthony could no longer speak and every breath was, he was laboring for every breath, his father said when he couldn't sing anymore, he would just begin to hum. And he would hum the songs as they sang. Even in his final moments, a man, you see, he gave it all to God. He never lost his worship to Him. He never lost his love for God. He, 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 would, he gave it all to God. And I want to live my life in such a way, you see, if we're here tonight and we've got breath in our lungs and we're able to lift our hands, we're able to stand, we're able to sing, oh, how much should we worship Him? How much should we give Him glory? How much should we praise the One that's been so faithful? The One that's been so good? The One that is able to do exceeding abundantly? God, You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And it's right after this occurrence, when you read, I read to you all the way to verse 9. But when you read verse 10, the Bible says, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when you read Luke's account, or rather, it's Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14, the Bible says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. What will you give me? It's all about me. What will you give me? And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. And so I would ask you the question. It was right after this occurrence, Judas goes to betray Jesus. What is Jesus worth to you tonight? What is Jesus worth to you? Because the Judas Iscariot, he was worth just 30 pieces of silver. Just 30 pieces of silver. But to that precious woman, you see, Jesus was worth everything. He was worth it all. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me tonight? Uh, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. Thirty pieces of silver. 
It's all he was worth. But this precious woman, Jesus, was worth everything. She was worth it all. If you would with me right now, if we could just close our eyes together. I'd like for you to envision with me 2,000 years ago the place called Calvary. There was a man there that was hanging on that cross for six hours. He did nothing wrong. He did not deserve what he was getting. He was laying there gasping for every breath. He had been beaten. He had been whipped. And if you just envision with me as Jesus is there on that cross and the wind were to blow just the right direction, I wonder if He did not get a, a small, faint scent of that precious ointment that was poured on Him just a few days before. And as he was suffering and going through all the agony and all the pain, when he got that faint scent of that ointment, if he didn't think back and remember that precious woman, that she gave her all to me that day. Little did she know that I'd be giving my all to her today. And it was there at Calvary where Jesus gave it all for you and I. He looked down through the ages of time and He saw you and He saw me. And He knew that we needed Him to stay on that cross. We needed Him to finish it. And I'm thankful that Jesus stayed and said it is finished. I'm thankful that He stayed and He gave it all for you and I. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so I ask you tonight, we all have an alabaster box of ointment. The question is, are you willing to pour it out on Jesus? Are you willing to give it to Him tonight? No greater love than this for a man to lay down his life for his friend came out of the words it came out of the mouth of Jesus that was as even as far as God could go when he died on the cross for you and I he's made every provision he made it as possible he made it all possible for you and I to be saved to be reunited with him and friend of mine there's going to be a wedding one day I don't want to miss the wedding oh let him come back and he's here when he comes back let there be a church that's worshiping him glorifying his name praising him giving him honor and glory to his name will you give your all to God tonight will you come and pour it out on him right now